Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's try? Is your current idea of self-care closing the door when you pee? If the only chance you have for exercise is the squats you do when you pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne. And I'm Jess. And this is Mama Mama Bites. Here I am again with a serious case of morning voice, but I didn't want to wait any longer to release the podcast that I recorded with Patrice Carroll. She is an individual and couples therapist out of the Boston area, not too far away in um, both Norwood and on the South Shore as well. And she is so wonderful. It's actually rare that I'm able to talk with an expert who I've personally worked with, but Patrice and I have collaborated on cases and she is one of the finest therapists I've ever run into. Truly, that is not me overestimating or overstating. Um, she has over 25 years of experience and is trained in emotionally focused therapy, which she uses with both couples and with families. She is truly special, and I really hope that what people take away from this podcast is how the the couple relationship in the case where we are in a couple relationship when we have a baby is really the foundation of the family and that needs its own kind of self-care and that is okay and important so going to couples therapy is not a weakness or even necessarily a sign of quote-unquote trouble but rather a sign of health and people wanting to take care of themselves and their partner relationship. And so I also hope that hearing Patrice uh, talk that people are comforted by the idea that it won't be scary and it will be supportive. Um, And also she, you know, you don't have to go to couples therapy. She also uh, presents some really helpful, very basic, very quick techniques to help us uh, in our everyday life as we try to manage both keeping our partnership going as well as taking care of our babies and ourselves because those are tall orders to keep all those plates spinning. Okay, mamas, I hope you're taking good care. Enjoy. Well, thank you, Patrice, for being on the Mama Bites podcast and being one of the many um, super helpful expert mom um, members of of the village that I've I've been creating of uh, helpful voices in writing this postpartum uh, self care book. And I am I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Corinne, thank you, and thank you for taking on both both this podcast, sending out messages to, to women that need to hear some kind of calm and normal um, reassurance, and also the book is exciting, and I'm, I'm happy for you to create a village to, to put that book out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited. We're working on it. <laughs> Certainly yeah. working on it. So... Um, this is actually sort of a rare situation because um, 
Patrice, you and I have collaborated um, in the past or, or worked together, and that's not often the case with my experts. And so I actually was, was going around trying to research and find a, a couples therapist that I could talk to about um, couples work and uh, how couples are affected in the postpartum year. And, and I sort of started thinking and I, again, started to try to think like, okay, who's, who's sort of in my village close by and sort of my circle and thinking, wait, Patrice is awesome. <laughs> and then I, you know, I pulled up your website all over again and I was thinking, oh my God, if I had been combing the internet, <laughs> this is the person I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, funny. I know. I, I thought so, too, when you reached out to me because we collaborated on cases that weren't specific to the no. postpartum. Yeah. So when you reached out to me, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if she actually knows mm. that I have two specialties. So crazy. <laughs> one so in cu- cu- Yeah, one in couples work and one in the reproductive yeah. field. Yeah. So mm. tell us a little more about yourself and, and the work that you do and why you love it, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So, um I have a private practice. I'm an LICSW, which is a licensed independent clinical social worker, which allows me to have my private practice. Mm -hmm. And I opened that practice um, about 20 years ago. And at that time, I I had a two-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter. And I was just uh, finishing up a fellowship at Harvard Vanguard, Harvard Medical School, where... um, one of my mentors was a clinical nurse specialist who was running support um, sessions and support groups for couples going through infertility. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, I was also kind of just out of, you know, the, the postpartum experience myself mm-hmm. and then also having gone through pregnancy. And, you know, this was about 20 years ago, and women's health was finally, you know, starting to come into more um, attention for, um, for all of us. And there was a wonderful book written called Women's Moods by Dr. Um, uh, uh, Shishkel and Jean Watson Driscoll. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. I just took this book like I was thirsty for it. I mm. just read every page, every word, and it makes made so much sense around who we are as women in our bodies and how hormones um, can, can affect us. Um, and so I decided when I opened my private practice that I was going to have a specialty in what I called um, reproductive emotional health, where mm-hmm. um, based on where we are in our own bodies and in our cycles of womanhood, we can have some, you know, mood mood disruptions around that, um, which would just bear um, the need for more support. So I, um, you know, reached out to OBGYN offices and pediatricians and primary care offices and um, got got busy pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then. I found that a lot of the conversations I was having in my office with women who were struggling, uh, you know, with their mood, maybe because of those hormones, a lot of the conversations um, had a lot to do with some of the relationships that they were in and and how the relationships were feeling or maybe feeling distressed or stuck. And, And that could be, you know, new moms feeling, um, conflicted or stuck with their relationship with their own mother or Mm -hmm. um, maybe 
you know, uh, mature women like going through menopause that were coming in to get some support, but were feeling in conflict or stuck with a relationship with one of their children. Um, and more often, postpartum moms um, that were, you know, feeling misunderstood or confused or scared around what they were going through and needing their partners to kind of know more about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I decided to start inviting the relationships into the room. I just mm. felt like we could do a lot more um, in the understanding of not only supporting these women, but also supporting the relationship because, you know, we just know that if one person in the relationship isn't doing well, then, you know, the relationship isn't doing very well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so about six years ago, when I heard about a model of therapy called emotionally focused therapy, I just took it like, you know, again, kind of like my passion. It made so much sense to me. It's a a model of therapy that works with relationships. Um, It started primarily with um, romantic adult relationships like couples. Um, Now it's extended into family work and also individual work. Um, But it's based on the attachment theory. And the attachment theory has a premise that we as human beings are wired for connection. Mm -hmm. And when this connection is in distress, we start to not do well um, Mm -hmm. as individuals. And so we're we're not doing well again in in the relationships. Um, So these two specialties, the one with, you know, reproductive emotional health and emotionally focused therapy um, just fit beautifully for me just hand hand in hand mm-hmm. wow that is so yeah. <laughs> so amazing and thank yeah. good you, goodness you're doing that work that I don't I don't feel like I hear that a whole lot out there it sounds yeah. like a, sort of a niche yeah. that you've carved for yourself kind of pulling from different areas of knowledge and 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 sort of combining them into this this practice that you offer people now yeah that's right and it's and it's it's easy because it makes so much sense. You know, when, when we are struggling, um, we need, we need that one other significant person in our life to be near and dear to us. Um, and so, you know, particularly for postpartum couples, um, when everything is new for them, um, they can get turned, turned around pretty quickly. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's an honor for me to have the relationship come into the room. Um, because I think it just um, runs, you know, uh, the course of life. If, if a couple or, again, any kind of distressed relationship really fully understands how they can show up for one another, we just, we just do better with all changes of life. Mm. That's the quote. That's, a, <laughs> that's the first quote of, <laughs> of the interview for sure. I mean, it's all wonderful, yeah. but that's, that's a bullet point for sure. So I think you're um, transitioning us really um, quite easily into sort of my first question. I'm sure that that is sort of like a burning question on a lot of listeners' minds, which is what are some of the the challenges that you often see that a couple encounters in their postpartum year? I'm sure there's a a lot. I'm sure there's a variety, but any sort of themes that you can think of? Yeah. I mean, there, there, there is a variety. Um, and I will do my best to narrow in maybe on a few of the, you know, more universal ones versus maybe specific to the personal story of, of each couple. But, um, I, you know, I first want to say that um, this time in life is 
you know, just a really unique mm. <laughs> experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and couples come into this time um, with some joy and hope and excitement and they just want to do the best for themselves and for their partners and for these new little ones that they brought into this world. Um, and so there's a lot going on for that couple and it's not about what they're doing wrong um, or what they didn't prepare enough for. It's just that this is, this is a new, new place that they've never been before. Mm. Um, and often we can kind of prepare for life stages like this on kind of the more fundamental level and um, where we get caught and where these challenges come from is that we haven't experienced it yet. Mm. So we don't really have the full experience to prepare for. Mm -hmm. um, And that can take us by surprise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, some of the challenges that, you know, I'll, I'll kind of start with again is just, recognizing that the couple sometimes is taken by surprise. This is a new territory for them. Mm -hmm. Um, They have just transformed their relationship from the two of them to include, you know, let's say with this first time parents, you know, a whole nother relationship, a whole nother human being. And this human being happens to be a newborn who can't do anything for themselves Mm -hmm. and depends on the Mm -hmm. parents to take care of them and to make sure that they're um, getting what they need. And these needs come first. The baby can't survive without being fed and, you know, um, comforted and, you know, provided safety for and given all those, you know, daily, daily needs to keep them healthy and strong. Um, So what that means for the couple is that, you know, as soon as this baby shows up into the world, the couple now has less time for each other mm-hmm. and they have less time to take care of themselves and their own self care to show up for each other like they're used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so hard just to kind of get through the day taking care of all of what the baby needs 24 seven that a couple's own basic needs starts to, you know, go awry, getting enough sleep and eating properly exercising, mm-hmm. even continuing, you know, the connections that we need with, you know, social, socially and, and with our families, it, it can start to go adrift. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a joyful time, but mm-hmm. it, you know, it also comes with stress and strain. Mm-hmm. And um, that's exactly the time where we would want to turn to our loved ones and, and feel comforted. Um, but we also deny what we need over what our baby needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this can start to, um, you know, create a little bit more of an emotional roller co- coaster in, in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, couples can quickly start to get confused around why this time that they wanted and was expecting to be happy and, you know, maybe even with them, you know, thinking about the struggle, they didn't quite feel that it was going to happen like this. Mm-hmm. And um, they can start to get stuck into some um, ways of um, responding to one another. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think fundamentally that's because the biggest challenge is that they've lost a lot of time with one another. Mm. We know that it takes time and, and good intention to take the one that we need the most in and slow down and 
check in with one another. I'm referring now more again around that um, kind of emotional response, emotional intimacy where we can feel co-regulated with one another. Mm. Um, the couples are barely getting through the day to get everything done that um, it, it's hard sometimes for them just to stop and turn and, um, and take a moment to hug one more second longer or to listen a little bit harder um, to, to one another. Um, they are really falling into trying to keep up with this lifestyle um, mm. that, that causes you know, a lot of expectation on them. And um, just to keep the functionality going, sometimes they can end up sleeping in different bedrooms. Mm-hmm. They often tag team. You know, you go there, and I'll and and I'll, and I'll, you go this way, and I'll go that way. Sure. Yeah. Um, they now I hear more and more that couples, in order to kind of keep the infant home longer, they um, take turns with their family leave. So yeah. you know, the mom will stay home first and take care of the baby while the partner goes to work and then the partner will stay home while the mom returns back to work Mm -hmm. um that's you know that's a beautiful system um and to function absolutely needs to happen the practical side of life um definitely has to be prioritized but what starts to drift away is this bond with one another around what are, what are each of how are each of them doing and what do they need from their relationship to to keep them in um, you know a steady a, a, a steady way a steady connection while this sometimes a storm is around them of you know busyness and demand yeah yeah that's that's such a great point I mean I hadn't even thought about the sort of staggered maternity leave or excuse me family leave and mm-hmm. um how the intention behind that and that 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 is a really like you said beautiful system and at the same time tr- sort of thinking about um how about foundations right and yeah. and yeah. how we're trying to it's your house has been rocked (laughs) and now you're sort of cultivating this brand new foundation, but you're kind of trying to do this in this, this tag team sort of way with intention to support that foundation. But it's hard when you're, when you're not together. (laughs) It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. I, you know, it makes sense. And again, I don't, I, I, I get it. I understand where couples are coming from. Um, there's so much pressure and demand Mm. on, um, on this kind of family system these days. And, you know, in, in terms of your words, the village is just not as um, strong and, and intact as it needs to be for couples mm-hmm. to get more outside resource and help and support. So they do, they're doing the best they can, mm-hmm. but unfortunately we haven't helped them understand how important their own relationship truly is. Mm-hmm. That, that Their relationship is the foundation to the family. Yeah. Um, and even when they have to tag team, and they do, mm-hmm. um, how do they find ways to still stay um, checking in with one another and open and available to one another about how all of this is feeling for them, not mm-hmm. only for them as individuals, their new roles as parents, 
um, there's a lot of insecurity that goes on in, in this new place in life. They've never done this before. Mm. Um, can they share that with the one? Or can, can they be vulnerable enough to say, I miss you, I miss mm. you, you know, without mm. the guilt of what does that mean if I miss my partner, but I have this baby now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sometimes couples start to kind of just hold on to even if they even notice a little bit of this confusion, they just keep it to themselves and they don't share it with one another in fear of how that sounds. And, mm. and also, again, just around, I'm just too tired. I'm going to go to sleep right now because that's, that's what I need the most. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, sometimes, um, you know, when we say the biggest challenge for a couple in the postpartum year is time for the two of them, mm. um, there's a really big side effect to that, which is this really unfortunate slow deterioration. Mm. of the couple having um, less emotional responsiveness to one another. Mm. When we don't have time to slow down Mm -hmm. and take each other in, Mm -hmm. um, we're responding less and less to one another from an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll say again that we as human beings are wired for connection. Mm-hmm. And when that connection goes into distress, mm-hmm. it calls up our humanness, mm. which is to go into a fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the couple can start to, on one hand, feel like they're successful because they're getting all, all the daily tasks complete and everyone is healthy and safe. And the money's coming in and the bills are being paid mm-hmm. and, and the baby is thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, but within their foundation of their relationship, there could be this slow deterioration around feeling accessible to one another mm-hmm. in this emotional responsiveness. Wow. Wow. Okay. I sort of like want to pause and breathe because what you just said, I really want to pull out some highlights that I heard to really reinforce um, because it's it's so powerful what you're saying. So the first thing I really wanted to sort of um, highlight back was uh, that I so appreciated, which was that so much of this that's happening is it's just new and, and it's something that um, it wasn't from lack of preparation. It wasn't from doing it wrong. It's just totally different. And I so appreciate that because I think so often when we're, when we're getting to a place where things are feeling rocky or disconnected or whatever, um, we can blame ourselves or we can blame our partner and just, you know, like, can we sort of take that away and say like, there was no way you could have known (laughs) there's, this is a whole new planet that you've arrived on. That's right. It's in the experience that we learn. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. They couldn't have known. Mm -hmm. They could not have known. No way. Yeah. And the other piece that I really hear is that it's so important and yet extremely difficult (laughs) to slow down and, and find that time and space and even maybe as a priority, um, to, to be with the partnership and to check in and to be vulnerable and say Mm -hmm. like, I miss you or I'm feeling really affected in this way and I'm struggling or I'm thriving, but I'm worried about this thing. 
because we're just on the go. We're just going, 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 and sort of like ships in the night sort of situation. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And couples can sometimes get overwhelmed with the concept of spend time together or slow down and be together. Mm. And the words that you just used take no time at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They take no time at all. They, 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 it, what it takes is one sense of self and how they're doing mm. and a sense of trust and willingness to bring that to, to their partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's such a great point because, um, that same trust, (laughs) it's that willingness that's the important part because, you know, um, I, what I often say, um, I don't see a lot of couples, but what I often say in terms of when I'm talking with parents, um, I'll, which is a totally different (laughs) sort of dyad, but I'll say, oh, I have good news and bad news. She really trusts you. <laughs> and right. I just sort of wonder, and, I, and I'm not, I, um, I don't think this is independent of what you're saying, but I sort of want to check in with you about this is, you know, are we also most likely because we trust our partner so much, oh, I'll cut, catch up with him or we'll talk about mm-hmm. it or, you know, I'm just going to run in these 20 different directions and at some point we'll have a date night and, and we'll have a glass of wine and talk about it. But um, and rather than prioritizing and saying like, you know, can you know, let's just stop while we're standing in the kitchen right now and acknowledge right, each other, right, meet each other's right, eyes for a right. second. I mean, I love what you're saying, Corinne, and, and um, that's a healthy and strong relationship to frame it in, in that place of we'll get there, we'll catch up, we mm-hmm. will be, I will be able to bring this to my partner, I will be able to share and be vulnerable with my partner. And, and absolutely, um, in this time of life, you know, the well drives dries empty pretty quickly. Um, mm. I, don't, I don't feel like I said that correctly, mm. but um, <laughs> um, and, and so so very quickly because postpartum, you know, the postpartum, you know, stage where infants and you know are just needing everything from parents goes on for for months, mm-hmm. and so the couple can easily fall into states of deprivation Mm. and Mm -hmm. in that place we we do begin to suffer when Mm -hmm. when we're not getting what we need for our own selves to thrive um you know so it it has a negative impact on us and it starts to show up on the ones that we need to be noticing us Mm. (laughs) um so if couples aren't sleeping or getting their basic needs met um and they're hoping to get there at some point to turn to each other and say can i have time with you Mm -hmm that's possible Mm -hmm. what's also possible is um they start to feel you know like they start to bid for who's doing enough here Uh um and if i'm so tired where where is my partner to show up for me Uh and they can start to not feel necessarily like their partners are as available to them Mm -hmm. to listen to what is going on there for them Got it. That's yeah. I, I, I mean, eating disorder therapist. Anytime you're going to bring up deprivation, <laughs> is going to okay. really sort of like yeah. perk my ears up. But yeah, yeah. I really like yeah. that that piece about thinking about it as a deprivation piece, um, yeah. on top of so much deprivation already, right? Exactly. We're yeah, that's so right. On top of so much deprivation, and when we, you know, when we as individuals are in deprivation, 
what helps us the most is to turn to that one other that we can count on to care for us or reassure us or nurture us. Mm-hmm. But when a couple is in deprivation, right. when the relationship is in deprivation, it can, it can again, start to go into that slow deterioration mm. of feeling like you're, you're in it with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it can start to pull on the relationship as if one is doing one thing and the other is doing another thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think you're already saying this, but um, just sort of thinking about, you know, what are some of the ways that you see couples sort of act out with one another in in these sort of deprived, um, struggling yeah. states? Yeah. Um, so I'll 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 put that back into um, the frame um, that you mentioned earlier, which is when um, when there are these stuck places in um, in the relationship or in life, we can either blame ourselves for that mm-hmm. or we can sometimes blame our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and couples can start to loop around in kind of what feels like the same argument. It might have a different story to it like you forgot to take out the trash Mm -hmm. or I told you I was going out tonight you were supposed to be with the baby Mm -hmm. but when they keep falling into the same argument usually something deeper is going on Mm -hmm. Um, at least that's how I again kind of coming from the attachment frame look at it and what what could be deeper is that the relationship is feeling that distance and that disconnection. Mm. So the mm-hmm. couple is in distress mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we bring our own tendencies into distress to persevere and help ourselves mm. in a couple in the relationship. What we find is one has a tendency to pursue. So, and that might be along with that fight or blame part, which is I would rather fight with you I would rather come off critical I would rather be demanding I would rather have any connection with you than no connection at all that frightens me the most wow okay but the other but the other tendency maybe the other partner might have would be a tendency to want to not make the connection any worse Mm. they're so afraid of making it any worse they might even be afraid that this is their fault Mm so they'll dial down um, the interaction that they start to feel is in distress and they might withdraw and they might become more distant and mm. look almost apathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They might be like, a, you know, it's fine. You know, this will get better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's coming from a place of their own. It's like their their flight tendency. They they are picking up on the direct distress too, but they're scared about it. They don't know if this is going to get worse, so they want to try to neutralize the playing field and hope that things will pass and a better day will come. But it turns the couple into this um, what we call like a negative interactional cycle, and they just get stuck in it over and over again. And it doesn't matter what the content is. The content could be anything and everything. Yeah. But the cycle is the same. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like holding yeah. my head. There's so much here. 
That's yeah. so, yeah. so much. Thank you. Okay. So, okay. I'm going to go back again. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, it sounds like what I'm hearing and which, which is so cool is sort of like what you're honing in on is sort of like that, that sort of same pattern of communication, that same sort of argument that like on Thursday is about jelly beans on Friday is about, I got for, right. up for three feedings and you got up for zero on Friday is like, you said that we were not going to your mother's this weekend and now we are. Um, and that it's really, it's not, it's really not necessarily what's getting argued about, but what's under um, those words and sort of those exchanges. And that with that, gen- generally there's, what I'm, what I'm hearing, please correct me if I've got this wrong, is that there tends to be someone who pursues for their own sort of very deep um, reasons and someone who might withdraw for their own sort of very deep, basic reasons. Do I have that right? That's it. Okay. Now, sort of off script, just because I'm like, you're blowing my mind. Um, (laughs) Does there, is there ever a case where there's two pursuers or two withdrawers or is that kind of more rare? It's very rare. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, relationships are so much yin and yang. Sometimes sometimes we we might be seeing that, but um, we... Uh, you know, I slow down. Sometimes I, I take a sentence or two that the couple say in my session and we spend 50 to we spend an hour on it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that deeper meaning has an emotional connection to it. And it's different for each of them. So we start to see the tendencies more clearly there. Got it. OK, so you sort of like pull this like nut of of what it yeah. what's really in it and you sort of crack yeah. it open and really look at what's exactly what's all in right. there yeah. wow that's yeah. awesome how do we know when we need to see a couple's therapist what do you think well <laughs> um anytime yes yes i do believe so i do you know, too and yeah. i'm hoping that the field of therapy itself is you know, a changing. I think it is. I think more people are seeing it as a positive resource, as truly a way of self-care. Um, so, I, you know, I really like to to use or and to promote therapy, right? You know, always. You know, it it, it doesn't have to be a sign of distress. It, it's mm-hmm. it's more of a sign of why not? Why not give myself more mm-hmm. um, in life? Life mm-hmm. is complicated and it's complex, and it can turn on a dime. Oh my god! Um, so when you have a connection, a relationship with a therapist that's available to you, you know, again, life goes better when we feel less alone. Um, mm. When we when we know we can journey with one other, even if it's a therapist that hears us, understands us, reassures us, mm-hmm. um, we just we just do better. Um, but certainly in life stages like the one with postpartum, um, it's it's really a helpful resource. Um, when couples are looping around in their times of distance, disconnection, or, or, or like conflict, lots of conflict, mm-hmm. um, they need help. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they? Again, mm-hmm. I want to say, you know, this is all so normal. You've never been here before. Mm-hmm. You've never been a parent to one child. Maybe, maybe we're even talking about 
your second child. You've uh-huh. never done that before. <laughs> um, you've never been in relationship with your partner this way before. Right. There's a lot of new experiences, and, and it's okay to get stuck. What, what's not okay is to stay stuck for too long because the pattern of that stuckness starts to get rigid, mm-hmm. and it starts to create mm-hmm. you know, some deep grooves, mm-hmm. um, and we start to turn and associate to one another you know, almost like in an automatic response of like, I know you're not going to agree with me anyway, or, Mm -hmm. um, you don't, you don't believe this, you know, what I'm saying to you. Mm. Um, and usually those statements are loaded, um, you know, way deep inside with a lot of hurt and sadness, but Mm -hmm. it comes out with these kind of blame and shame comments. And if this cycle goes on for too long, it, it, you know, it starts to erode a sense of safety in, mm. in, in the couple. So, mm. but even that I'll have to say, you know, um, I've worked with couples that have had a negative cycle for years yeah. and um, they might be surprised for the length of time that they work with me for, but slowly and slowly and slowly, you know, they start to find their way back to one another. So, so that, that is definitely a possible and it happens. Um, in a beautiful way that mm. I get to witness over and over and over again. Yeah. Coolest job ever, right? Coolest job ever. With that? It's the coolest job ever, I think. I sort of feel like it's... it's the coolest. <laughs> it's, such a privilege. it's such a privileged job. I So many people ask me, how do you do that? And I'm like, I can't even answer that question because you, you're asking it from inexperience. Yeah, like you yeah. Don't, you just don't have this inside privilege of yeah. witnessing people's stories. Yeah, I totally agree. I yeah. s- you know, people yeah. will sort of say that to me yeah. and I'll say like, you have to understand, you know, sure. It's, it's difficult at times. And I, and you know, I have concerns at times, but you know, like I feel like I'm getting away with something <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's so amazing. Everything is sort of like so important and people bring so much of themselves that it's just like, yeah. it, it's yeah. such a, it's such a privilege. I think that's the, I really want to steal your word, privilege. Such a privilege. Such mm. a privilege. Yeah, I'm honored every day. I'm touched every day. Mm. So mm. wonderful. How do you feel like someone goes about finding a good therapist, a uh, couples therapist? Like, what do you think people should be looking for? Um, well... Uh, I'm, I'm stuck answering this. So it's okay. Uh, yeah. It's hard for me to respond to the good part because a therapist is subjective. Sure. Right? It's, mm-hmm. The the client therapist relationship it, it's a relationship, and mm-hmm. so one therapist doesn't fit everyone. Absolutely. Um, so finding a good therapist means that you fit you fit with them, mm-hmm. um, and that's different for everyone. I will say that I I like to encourage the idea of finding a therapist with, um, you know, personal referrals. You know, we're we're like-minded people, so we hang out with people that are like ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I often, you know, like to to think of, you know, friends and family, if they can be that open and transparent, which, Mm -hmm. again, I promote, because Mm -hmm. if you can connect on a place that you're struggling you're less isolated. Right. Um, but usually, you know, it's a good fit because um, you're friends with that person mm-hmm. or they're a part of your family. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but other ways of finding a therapist, um, you know, specifically again for a postpartum couple, mm. um, would be in the field of postpartum. And there is, um, a resource in Massachusetts, um, called postpartum mass.org. Are, are you familiar with that? I don't know if I, maybe not. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's post it's it's postpartum ma all one word okay dot org okay dot org and there's a list of um, providers on that website um, but that might be for you know like postpartum specific so I would really encourage the couple that's finding a couple therapist to also um, get to know a little bit of the couple therapist sense of what a postpartum year looks like for a couple. It's really important for a therapist to really stay close to um, and appreciate what this couple is going through for, you know, for this postpartum year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's such a great point and great resource. I I don't think I even knew about that resource. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a great resource. You know, sometimes it's hard to find the couple therapy piece in that. Right. If you call, if you call one person on that list and say, I'm looking for a couple's therapist, you know, either they do it or they might know someone that can have that sensitivity. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Some of those, again, sort yeah. of, as you're saying, uh, starting with those relationships, right? Even even if it's not yeah. a relationship that you know, you're sort of uh, trying to connect with the relationship that the therapist has in terms of connecting with who the work that they've witnessed in terms of those being knowledgeable in both areas. Right. Excellent. Yeah, right. Excellent point. Yeah, and then also, um, you know, most of my referrals come to me from the OBGYN office uh, or the pediatrician office. Oh, okay. Yeah, so most of those practitioners are ready (laughs) to um, extend the support out to the mental health field because they also understand the challenges of this time. Wow. Okay. So that's a great idea. I, yeah, I bet a lot of people wouldn't think of that about sort of mentioning it to their peds during a checkup, like, Hey, who do you know? Who's great? Who understands what we're doing right now? Absolutely. And it will be met with a completely normal question and a, and a, and a really easy way to give a list of resources to to the uh, mom or dad. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. How is how would you say that couples work is different than individual therapy? Um, it's very different. At least, again, you know, uh, there's there's many of us in various modalities and, and various approaches. So when I'm sharing with you, I'm really sharing from my own um, my own uh, style and 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 my specialty of emotionally focused therapy. So couples different couples therapy is different Mm -hmm. primarily because their relationship is the client Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when the couple comes into my office i i I strategically have a chair on wheels Mm. and um, i put the chair in the middle of the room and i'm sitting equidistant um, in front of the couple Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a way of really symbolically saying to them i'm here for your relationship Mm -hmm. and i'm holding you both um, imbalanced mm-hmm. around how to keep this environment safe mm-hmm. and in a non-blaming um, a- approach. Mm. 
beautifully said beautifully said I say that over and over when I'm referring clients I'm like it's different you're not the client your partnership is the client and it's like oh wait what yeah yeah totally different yeah it's 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 very different and it's very empowering because again it intercepts the blame shame game Mm -hmm. and um it starts to slow down um you know the conversations that the couples are having so they tend to to really hear one another in a way that they've never either they've never heard one another before or it got stuck again in that rigid negative cycle that they they're just having a hard time hearing um each other yeah and it's probably been a while (laughs) since they heard each other yeah 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 so i mean sometimes you know you know i spend more time with one person in that couple's session Hmm. but that's only for me to really get to know um what is happening for them in their kind of deeper emotional place and um we slow it down so much that we get to assemble those feelings and the meaning that they're making Mm. and then how they start to um react from that meaning and and how that starts to turn into um, the interaction with their partner but I do that individual work with the partner in the room because they're it's a, it, they're the most important person in the room to learn about their partner sure of course um, and we do that in a really safe um, a safe process and it also helps me help them practice sharing with one another mm. you know so if I if I can help let's say if I can help let's say the mom of the postpartum couple understand that when she starts to criticize her partner mm-hmm. it's because she's saying to herself I'm not good at this mm. this whole this whole mom thing doesn't fit me Hmm. and that makes her feel so sad and so hurt Mm -hmm. and it drops her into this fear of failure Mm -hmm. um but what starts to happen is it it pushes her actually into criticism and Mm -hmm. blame of her partner Mm -hmm. as a way of trying to get him to maybe be a part of that distress Mm. but she's also feeling so afraid that she's failing. Yeah. So instead of being able to be vulnerable, her fear takes over and says, just stop what you're doing. Yeah. You're doing it all wrong. Yeah. 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 Um, so if I can help organize all that for her and, you know, I always check in, does this make sense? Does this feel right for you? Do you think this is the feelings that you're having? Mm-hmm. Um, and the meaning that you're making of those feelings. And if she says, yes, that, that I think that is what's going on here for me I say can you turn can you turn to your partner right now and share this with him Mm. can you let him know Mm -hmm. this about you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a really tender moment because Mm. it becomes really clear Mm. and um, he gets to hear that this isn't all about him being criticized it's a lot about her fear right 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 it's more reflective of of what she's feeling than his yeah. his failures right that's oh. right that's right that's right 
such a hard time. So I'm always putting it back into the relationship and the interaction that starts to push and pull the couple into that distress. Mm. And how, how do you begin to cultivate that trust? Like what, what might a couple expect in like an initial session or, or a first few sessions? I imagine that that's deeper work as you go along, or maybe that comes right away. I don't know. Um, well, the first initial session is, um, you know, again, all of us sitting in the room together and getting a sense of if this um, feels like a good fit mm. and if this model of therapy that I use is a good fit. Um, um, but, but then I ask them to kind of bring me into um, how they get stuck. And I, and I use the, the, the saying, you know, if I was a fly on the wall, and you guys are kind of spinning around in this point of tension or maybe even full-blown argument. Mm. Tell me what that looks like. Tell me what that sounds like. Who, who starts first? Who ends? What, what do you do? What do you do next? And in all of those questions, what I'm starting to do there is track their cycle. Mm. I'm, I'm starting to get to know what this um, emotional distress is all about. And the moves that they make that start to trigger the other person's moves. Mm-hmm. And um, we spend a lot of time on that cycle work to slow it down so that they get to really understand and see that this is not one person um, struggling. Mm-hmm. This is both of them interacting with each other. And right now it's um, in, in the negative interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also want to say that, again, this is where postpartum work for couples becomes profoundly beneficial because, unfortunately, too often, um, because, you know, the moms are rightfully going through hormonal shifts mm-hmm. and rightfully not feeling like themselves or feeling very emotionally stable, mm-hmm. how could they, after, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pregnancy um and breastfeeding, yeah. delivery, breastfeeding, <laughs> yeah. right? Delivery, breastfeeding, exactly. I mean, you know, that's just the biology of our bodies. Yeah. But unfortunately, they end up carrying a lot of responsibility for other times where, um, you know, their relationship or relationships aren't aren't maybe exactly meshing and going well. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, so to have the couple come in around this time really destigmatize this is just about the woman's mood. Mm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, certainly there's more sensitivity and fragility for the woman, but that's, again, exactly the time where their partners need to be offering more mm-hmm. and be more connected. Mm-hmm. But instead, they can sometimes feel um, like they're going to just kind of get distance or, or hope that this passes and it leaves the mom feeling disconnected and, and more alone. Mm. Um, so to shore up the couple around this is, this is a relationship bump in the road. Mm-hmm. This is where, yes, when, when any of us don't do well, we need the relationship to sustain us and hold tight. Mm. Mm-hmm. So to slow it down, like, like I can in, in, in my office starts to heighten both both partners in the relationship around how they're responding to each other and how they might even be putting each other in distress. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And when when that gets finally like intercepted and stopped, mm-hmm. then there's more safety and more 
restored connection in the couple. There's more hope. There's more, um, you know, a sense of familiarity that starts to come back online for them. And we can start to move into some really beautiful and deeper, vulnerable conversations around who they are to one another and how they need each other the most. Mm. Um, And sometimes in those deeper conversations, we uncover maybe sometimes like wounds that have occurred, like mm-hmm. what we call attachment indus- industry um, injuries. Mm-hmm. And during this time in life, attachment injuries happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And by attachment injury, I mean when you expect someone to be there for you at a time of need, and they're not it it hurts Mm -hmm. it goes deep Mm -hmm. and it actually can set off a crisis inside Mm. and it can scab over as if it's healed Um, but unless the couple has caught that this injury has occurred and has done some really deep repair work it's really only a scab and it keeps falling off Mm. and the couple can continuously fall into again, like the same fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in, uh, in these deeper conversations that I can bring couples into in my office, they can start to really open up to how they might've hurt one another Mm. and what they need to heal. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's really beautiful work. Yeah. I, I love I love the idea of what we are to one another and how we can show up for each other. I really yeah. I feel like yeah. another a couple things yeah, that I'm pulling away from that's that. That's why we're together. Yeah. That's why we find you know this attachment theory started with you know parent child attachment and how we're you know we depend on you know on what hopefully was a safe and secure attachment to create our you know children to to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dr. Sue Johnson, who is the creator of this EFT model, extended it, and she said, actually, it's from cradle to grave. Mm-hmm. We are forever in need of a special one uh, uh, other to turn to and take care of mm-hmm. our emotional needs, our emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we do that. We grow up from our parents, and we move out from our family homes, and we find partners mm-hmm. because that's who we are as humans. Right. Right. Is, to, is to be together, to be with someone who we can do this life with. Yeah. Wow. So beautiful. Mm. I, I think talking about um, those sort of essential, uh, you know, sort of the, the seed of where EFT came from in terms of parent-child attachment sort of makes me wonder about how, how partnerships and marriages um, might experience dynamics when it's not their their first baby that they're bringing home when it's actually uh, a second or a third you know or do you have any thoughts about how those dynamics might be different and what we might need in those situations or is it kind of all the same are we is 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 it all the same at that sort of like again not of what we're getting to in terms of attachment and connection I, I love this question, Corinne, because again, it reminds us that it's only until we have the experience mm-hmm. that we 
are are in it and exploring it and understanding it. Um, and so it is a new experience when we grow our families from mm-hmm. one you know child to a second child, mm-hmm. from a family of three to a family of four or five, six. Mm-hmm. It is a new experience every single time for the family system, but for every relationship in that family system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things um, that does happen in a more pronounced way when siblings come along is that moms and dads can start to identify with the birth order. Mm. Mm -hmm. And by that, what I mean is um, unless we are an only child, Mm -hmm. we have the, our own experience as a parent, we have our own experience of what it feels like in our birth order. Mm. So it pulls at us to have a, a sense of our children if they're falling in that same birth order. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's there's this, I think, kind of generic assumption that if we're mothers, we'll understand our daughters more, and if we're fathers, we'll understand our sons more. Mm. But I'll share with you in my own experience, you know, I'm, I'm a mom of a daughter who's my firstborn mm-hmm. and a son who's my second. Mm-hmm. And because of my son's birth order, I actually understood him a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I really identified with him more. And when he and, and his sister would interact, I tended to get him more than her. Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah, so that's a big fundamental change that happens when you add more children into the family system. Wow. And I... that, again, you know, just because I'm, I have such an affinity to the attachment lens, mm-hmm. that has a lot of attachment, you know, framework in it. Oh, my um, goodness, does it ever. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't wow. it? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so, again, it's just another exciting if, if couples can come at every every new experience is different and to be curious about it and to be open and interested to learn about themselves and their relationship um it can really be exciting like mm. what's going to happen what's going to draw me in what's going to push me out how mm. am i going to learn about myself like i've never learned before mm-hmm. how am i going to learn about you mm-hmm. that, I've ne- <laughs> that i've never discovered before sure yeah yeah I think you're transitioning us beautifully into um, sort of my question about like, what are your sort of top strategies or suggestions for couples as they might be struggling in their postpartum year? Well, you know, again, I, I'm cautious to um, prescribe. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to respond because again, mm. couples are, so, they so want to get it right. Mm. They, they, mm. They want to be good parents. They want to be in a healthy marriage. And they sometimes they just go towards, you know, yeah, that prescription. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. Um, but with all of this, you know, conversation that we're having, um, you know, I, I, I'm hesitant to say, but it, it really is about taking care of the relationship mm-hmm. and creating time. Mm-hmm. And again, not to get overwhelmed with that means a weekend away or that means date mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's hold on to one another just a little bit longer before you say goodbye in the morning. Mm. Um, you know, 
when when the other comes into the room, turn to them and say, "I see you. Mm-hmm. I notice you." Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, not, maybe not literally those words, <laughs> but in a way of regarding one another. Yes, um, yeah. You yeah. know, create intention to bring the message to you to your partner that you are so important to me. I don't know how I would do this without you. Mm. Oh my goodness, that's so great. Yeah. Wow. One of my um one of my favorite musicians is a is a guy named Rhett Miller and he's um from the band the old ninety sevens. He just wrote a, a song that came out on his last album that's called If You Were a Stranger and the, the chorus is I don't know if what I would do if you were a stranger. And mm-hmm. uh, and um he's not a guy who actually writes a lot of like he writes actually a lot of romantic songs, but that there's something about that that chorus that just like grabs me right by the throat in terms of like, that's it, you know, like yeah. if, if you can have yeah. the privilege of, of being with that partner who you like, yeah, I, I can't imagine yeah. what I it would do. It is a privilege. It mm-hmm. is a privilege. But again, the wear and tear of oh. bringing babies into <laughs> that privileged relationship um, can start to, you know, feel less than a privilege. It can, it can start to show up with, right. you know, some, adverse uh, responses towards one another unfortunately for sure but it it really is a privilege to have found someone that fits for you Mm -hmm. and um we again i just think our our culture just doesn't help couples Mm -hmm. uh, young couples anyway to Mm -hmm. or any any age couples to really um consider it a privilege to Mm -hmm. have found someone to live life with and to take care of that privilege right right that even if it's a privilege it's not happily ever after and checkbox you're fine it it still takes work and attention and care and etc we are always changing we are we are always changing mm-hmm. um and we have to keep up with those changes for ourselves and and, and for our partners mm-hmm. beautifully said yeah. so i have um just one last question because i know you need to jet and this has been amazing but um it's my favorite question so if mm-hmm. Um, you could meet yourself somewhere in your postpartum year or years. Um, what advice or comfort would you want to offer that version of yourself? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. It, it really is. And, and I've, I have reflected on it. It's, it's been um, a kind of a touching um, process of my own to reflect on this question. And it actually made me feel a little sad. You mm-hmm. know, I think the first way of me seeing myself as a young mom was, think I felt a little lonely mm. you know I, I I didn't look lonely I didn't sound lonely but I think way deep inside I, I felt lonely mm. and um I would go back and um ask her to talk about that or share that or, or mm. expose that a little bit which I, I know can feel a little bit like exposing like mm-hmm. why would I do that but mm-hmm. um because I I didn't know to do that I didn't know if it was going to be okay to share. Mm -hmm. It left me, you know, not getting what I needed. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I also struggled with asking for help. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely struggled receiving help. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I give the advice all the time, you know, to, to postpartum moms, you know, when you receive someone's help, you're helping them feel I good. Couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it frees them up to receiving the help, mm-hmm. and I think it makes a lot of sense. Like if, if we block help, 
we're actually restricting, you know, that connection, connection. that relationship. Right. If someone offers us a help and we need it and we accept it, it opens up the relationship. It, it creates a little bit more of a um, trueness, you know, to mm. the spirit of two people coming together and, um, you know, helping mm-hmm. or receiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, it seems that I'm quoting constantly uh, song lyrics in our interview, which is <laughs> my oh, <that's> awesome. <laughs> my favorite uh, lines in Forever Young, the Bob Dylan song, is Aww. may you always do for others and let others do for you. I for you. love yeah. that line, yeah. and I definitely yeah. hear that. Yeah, I, and I, you know, when I put it in that framework, you know, because I think a lot of us resist help, um, and when I put it in the re- framework of you're actually – making the one who wants to help you feel really good Mm. um it it frees them up to accept the help and to receive it with grace totally agree beautiful yeah 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 where can our listeners find you if they want to work with you because i'm sure you're going to get a lot of calls now because this has been so wonderful (laughs) Uh, um, well, I have two offices. I'm here in Norwood, um, mm. and then I just recently opened up a um, office in Hingham. Oh, wow. The best way to reach me is on my website, and that's patricecarroll.com, www. I guess no one uses that anymore. You can edit that out. It's <laughs> okay. I say it, too. Patrice, I say it, too. Yeah, patricecarroll.com, um, and they can they can either email me through that website, email me directly, or, or um, phone me. Um, yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Patrice. This was wonderful. I hope it felt okay to you because this was such a treat for me. And I think um, this, this is going to really help support a lot of not just, not just postpartum moms, right? Like postpartum families at this point. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A mama bites website and stream more of our podcasts or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts itunes stitcher soundcloud google play and don't forget to stop by instagram and definitely come on by our facebook group the mama bites lunch table we'd love to have you there and until we meet again next time remember motherhood is a long journey don't forget to pack some snacks